0: So we are glad that you're here today. Uh, My name is Chris, and I'm the lead pastor here at Crossroads. And for those of you that are here for the first time, for those of you that maybe just uh, uh, have been here for the last season of our ministry, thank you for being here. And here's what I'm going to ask. If you're one of those people that got here early and then sat at the end of the row, because that's kind of the thing to do, then you have a responsibility. So if you're sitting next to that person, tell them they have a responsibility so that they're aware. And so whether you're at our North Campus or here at our South Campus, look down and you'll see a group of books that look something like this. So get those if you would and hand them to the center. And so if you'll look at the end of the row and uh, grab one of those, these are free for everyone here. Uh, If you're a person that doesn't like getting stuff for free, uh, these things cost us like five bucks a piece. So you can throw an extra five bucks in the plate if you're one of those people that like, okay, I feel better about myself because I didn't get anything free, and so uh, that's an okay thing. And uh, and uh, and I want to I want to just take a moment as everybody in the room gets a booklet. If you are a high school student or a middle school student, uh, I've been told by uh, Alex and by Luke that, uh, that you will actually get your own booklet, and so you don't need one unless you're one of those students that's kind of like, you know, I always have to be the head of my class, and then you want two of them. So if that's the case, fine, go ahead and have a second one, that's good, we don't care, that's fine, but uh, uh, everyone, if you would, take a book, and if here's the thing, as you now have these books, uh, you're going to do exactly what I did, and that is to tune out me Because you're looking at the book right now, right? And so... Uh, these books came in earlier this week, and so I started looking at them, and then somebody asked me a question, and I go, did you just talk to me? Because, you know, I was tuned out at the moment, and so that's okay, I get it, there's a lot there for you to read and to look at, but here's the reason for these books, and this is why we wanted to give everyone in the room uh, one of these books, and uh, and if somebody is not here, if you're joining us online, you can actually download this book if you go to boldcrossroads.com, and uh, you can download one of these booklets for yourself, but uh, here's what I wanted to do, and so even if today you're like, I'm just here one time take one of these with you, and uh, every year this is one of the things that we love to do in the fall is we love to have an opportunity for every person in uh, to walk through a journey with us over the course of six weeks in which as a church, we just walk together and discover something new and this year we've decided to take this bold generosity and this idea of what would it look like if every one of us in the room were willing to be bold in our faith and to be generous in a way that's, uh that's unique and so So, here's some things that I'm asking of you. And so, the first thing uh, is this if you would open up your book first, and on the inside cover, the very inside cover, you got a pen. We gave you a free pen. So, go ahead and write your name. And your email address, the only reason for that is if you happen to lose your book, we'll email you and say, hey, we have your book here, and, and uh, to do that. So put your name and uh, your email right on the inside of the cover there. That would be a great thing, and uh, so that way you know it's yours. Every week for the next six weeks, please bring this with you. And, uh, and the reason for that is because uh, there's a couple of things that uh, we would encourage you with. The first one is that you would just say yes to coming the next six weeks to bold. And so that's number one, that you would attend or listen to each one of these messages. Now, I recognize for some of you, you may say, we have previous plans, or we're going to be here, then please join us online. We do our services live online, and uh, my mom is listening right now from the hospital, so hi, mom. And, uh, And so every one of us get to watch these things, and so if you can't be here, then please join us. And here's the thing, if you take a look at page 29 in your booklet there, you'll see that there's a blank page and open it up to 29. We're there for the uh, for the minutes for the message notes. And so if you want to take notes, we gave you a pin and there's a blank page and you can fill in message notes as you walk through there. The second thing, while it's just holding open, just hold it right there. The second thing is this. We want every one of us to join us in a group, and the reason for that, and that's the reason if you see this sea of green shirts, most of the people wearing these green shirts have said yes to being a part of a group, and so I just want to invite you to be a part of a group over the course of these next six weeks. Now, here's what happens. If you haven't signed up for a group, you can still sign up for a group today. Before you leave, you can do it right now. You can go to boldcrossroads.com and sign up there, or you can walk right outside and go to the right, and there are people that are wearing the Non mint green shirt, and uh, they have black shirts that say bold, uh, say groups on them. And you, they would love to sign you up for a group. Our groups meet. Every night of the week here at South Campus, and just about every night of the week at our North Campus. And we have groups that meet in homes. For those of you who are comfortable in a home, we have groups that meet here on our campus. We even have groups that say, I don't want to go to church and I don't want to go to a home. And so we have groups that meet in area businesses that have allowed us. Uh, I think Cross America has allowed us to meet there, and uh, so has Big Ben Coffee. And so we have groups that meet all in those different places, hundreds of them all around our community. And so please, what I'm going to be preaching on on Sundays will be also reiterated in the group in a very different way. And so you get an opportunity to do this. And here's the best part for some of you in the room. It's only six weeks. And so I know that you're scared to death of sitting down with a group of people and they're going to think that uh, you're going to think they're all weird. That's okay. Then after six weeks, you can move on. Some people do like each other and stick around and keep going in groups, that's fine. But if you're wanting to do that, we're just asking you for the six weeks. And then the third thing is this. If you turn the page, you'll see uh, the, uh, the, the bold guide there that's on page 32 and then on 33. And then if you go to page 33, uh, then what you're gonna find is starting tomorrow morning, We have a daily devotion for you. We want everyone to walk through this journey with us. And so if you're a person that loves a daily devotion, simple. I read a scripture, and then I just answer a couple of questions about that scripture, then that is why we have the bold daily initiative. So the everyday five days, so if you miss a day and catch up on the weekends, you can walk through all of this with us and be a part of this journey. Now, some of you in the room would say, hey, I would love for somebody to expound on the scripture verse that's there. You can join us on facebook.com Crossroads Kokomo. You can do that even now if you want to pull out your phone and look at us. And on that, starting tomorrow morning, you will see a live video of some people from our church, whether it's our staff or some volunteers who are going to do a three to five minute video around that verse every day. And so there'll be different people every day. You can join us in. We're We're trying something a little bit different to see if you'd be willing to do that. And for some of you, I just invite you to join us. So if you would, be here every week, be a part of a group. And then the third thing is, if you would join us online every day. And then the fourth thing is this. Uh, You'll notice that probably a card kind of fell out on this, is that at the end of this journey, at the end of this six-week journey, we're going to make a commitment, every one of us, and that's where we talk about as many of us, as close to 100% as possible. Whether you're in preschool or whether you're 110, we're going to ask every person to make a commitment. And this card, what I'm going to ask you to do is if you would, place it somewhere in your home and just pray every day. Just use this as a visual reminder to pray. Okay, God, I'm gonna be bold, and so how can I be bold in this season? So I would invite you to go ahead, open it up to the uh, message page, and so that you can go there as we walk through this message today, and we're gonna be looking at Acts chapter four, and for you to get a little bit of a background of where Acts is in the Bible, it's in the New Testament. Jesus has died, raised from the dead, And in Acts chapter 1, Jesus ascends into heaven in front of about 120 people. And at the end of Acts chapter 1, they pick a brand new person to replace Judas, who was uh, the the disciple who betrayed Jesus. And so they pick a 12th disciple, a guy by the name of Matthias. And so he gets replaced in Acts chapter 1. And Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit descends in a way that no one has ever seen it before. And these people who are gathered in Jerusalem by the thousands of individuals, all of a sudden, they're from all these tongues and tribes all over the world. And all of a sudden, the 12 disciples are speaking foreign languages that they never learned. And so you can imagine this international event happening and then Peter and the fellas stand up and the next thing they recognize is they look around and they're going, everybody's talking in my language. And it was an incredible moment. And at the end of that, what you see is you see thousands of people, the Bible tells us, 3,000 men that said yes to Jesus in that first day. And then Acts chapter 3, we find out that the life of the church really begins. And so Peter and John are hanging out at the kind of the, the synagogue, which is sort of their version of church in the Jewish area. And there's a fella who was standing outside of there, and he had been lame. He couldn't walk his entire life. 40-plus years he had been standing out there, 40-plus years. People noticed this guy every time they came into the church building, and his job was to beg for money because he couldn't walk, and therefore he couldn't get anywhere. 40 years this guy did this. And so this guy, as Peter and John walk in that day to go to church, this guy looks up at Peter and he says, Hey, can you give me a dollar? And Peter says, Look, I'm broke, but I'll tell you what I have. I've got this guy named Jesus and in the name of Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask you to get up and walk. And can you imagine if you were standing in a church service and in that moment, somebody that you knew, that you went to school with, that you grew up with, that you were neighbors with, that that person stood up and you knew it. I mean, you would say that is an actual miracle that took place. The person gets up and starts walking around and the crowds go crazy in Acts chapter 3, by the end of the chapter in Acts chapter 4, they're going so crazy that the religious establishment, those people who had always been the religious leaders, don't know what to do with these crowds that are going crazy. And so they do the one thing they know to do, and that's to arrest Peter and John because they're the guys who are bringing this thing together. And what we discover in the book of Acts is three major things. For most of you, if you've ever studied the book of Acts, it's the beginning of the church. It's the Holy Spirit that comes down and you watch this church begin to happen. But here at Crossroads, we believe that the book of Acts is part of what we live today. And what you experienced earlier today when I saw dozens of you clapping when somebody took their next step in baptism and we were all celebrating, you are a living proof of the book of Acts today and Kokomo, Indiana, and I love that. I love that because I believe that it's still being written, and so while the book of Acts, we see the beginning of the church, the book of Acts, we see the descending of the Holy Spirit, but the third thing that scholars agree on that the book of Acts is, and most of us never even thought about it, is the book of Acts surrounds itself with numbers. And if you're a numbers person, you love that. If you're not a numbers person, you probably glossed over that. But for you to know that throughout the book of Acts, people discovered what Jesus was doing and you saw number after number after number. And for most of us in the room, when we see that kind of stuff, because you have just been a number your whole life, if I asked you what your social security number is, you would be able to just tell me if you, if, you, if you were gonna say it because you've memorized it. If I were to ask you what your student ID is, you could tell us. If I asked you what your military idea is, many of you in the room could tell us. And the reason is that you have been a number your whole life. But in this case, the difference is that these people were a name before they became a number. Everywhere else in your world, you're a number before you're a name. And for you to recognize how interesting it is in the book of Acts. And so Peter and John in chapter 4 get arrested and the Sanhedrin, the, the religious leaders are sitting around and they're going, what in the world are we going to do with these guys? Because we got a mob forming out here. Everybody's praising God and they're going crazy because there was a miracle that took place and we don't know what to do. And so they had these powerful temple guards, the the, the, the security, so to speak, arrest these guys. And they spent the night in jail and they're trying to figure out what is it that we're going to do with these guys. And in Acts chapter four, verse seven, here's what happens. There they are. And in that moment, they bring, bring them in front of the religious elite, and these religious leaders have Peter and John standing before them, and they ask them this very important question. They say this, in whose name have you done this? In whose name did you take this person who all of us know has not been able to walk in the 40 years of their life? Who and whose name did you do this? Because they want to make sure. Why? Because the religious establishment all was about Jehovah God. Everything is focused on him we don't know who this Jesus guy is we put that movement down 50 days ago and to be truthful with you that thing should have died off and these guys are still calling this out and this is the moment this is the time in which we find this boldness begin to happen and so it says this then Peter filled with the Holy Spirit says to these religious leaders rulers elders of our people Are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? They continue on. Do you want to know how he was healed? Then let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus of Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified but whom God raised from the dead. Now you think about this. These are ordinary men who are standing in front of the religious elite of their day and they're bringing forth the message, this incredible message of saying, look, we did this incredible deed only at the power of Jesus Christ's name. And then listen to what happens as it continues. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scriptures where it says, the stone that the builders rejected has now become the cornerstone. And then they conclude by saying this, there is salvation in no one else. God has given no other name under heaven by which we must be saved. Folks, I want to say this to you. Because I know that in a room like this, in a room like our North Kokomo campus, even for some of you online, that many of us may be going, look, I just tuned in today. And I'm trying to figure this thing out. And I walked into this building, and honestly, it was a little odd because everybody's wearing these mint green shirts, and what kind of weird cult things happen in here, what's going on inside of this, right? And I want you to know this, I want you to hear this, because the message that Peter preached 2,000 years ago is a message that's alive and well at Crossroads Community Church, and that we believe under no other name than the name of Jesus Christ are you saved. And today, if you've come into this room and you're searching for hope and you're searching for a place and you're searching for a part that you can belong, a place that you can be a part of, then we open our arms to you and we tell you that we love you. And with our green shirts on, we're happy to say welcome because it's the name of Jesus Christ that saves us. Peter established it in that moment. And that establishment stays with us 2,000 years later and it's the centerpiece of who we are. And that becomes the backdrop of where this entire message series begins with boldness. Because Peter gets done, and then here's what happens to the people who are listening to him. Acts chapter 4, verse 13. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the Scriptures. And they recognized, the next verse, they recognized that these were men. They also recognized them as men who had been with Jesus. Think about that. That the fact is that these guys were willing to do this, that these guys were willing to do something unique, that these guys were willing to do something beyond what any of us can do. And here's what I love, is that Peter and John are just ordinary people, just like you, just like me. And what I love about it is this, is that you remember when you were a kid and somebody asked you as a little kid, what is it that you want to be when you grow up? Anybody here show of hands ever had somebody ask them that? What do you want to be when you grow up? And a lot of us have the, the, the things. I, I grew up before they had uh, all kinds of uh, movies about about heroes and superheroes and those kind of things. And so I grew up in an era where everybody wanted to be a, a police officer, or they wanted to be a fireman, they wanted to be the, the local hero of their day, somebody. You always had that that guy that was the that was the president of the first grade class, and he's like, I want to be president of the U.S. You know, and you're like, good luck with that, you know. And so and, and then you you have other people that are like, hey, I want to be a nurse or I want to be a doctor, and and we all had this thing that whenever we were kids and somebody asked us, what do you want to be, we had something. Somebody would say, I want to be a mountain climber. Uh, I asked my son this, he's six. I said, what do you want to be? And he said, dad, I want to be Superman. And I said, yes, and we love this. And the reason that we love this is because there's something in us that asks this question, what is it that I want to be? And just so you know, this question even gets asked today. The number one song recently that was released uh, was by a rapper by the name of NF, and listen to what he says. He says, when I grow up, I just want to pay my bills, rapping about the way I feel. He says, oh yeah, I just want to make a couple mil, and then he continues on by saying, leave it to the fam and the will. Yeah, I just want to sign a record deal, maybe buy a house up on the hills, oh yeah, I'm going to keep it real. might be the best that I feel, but I guarantee that I'm going to die real when I grow up. Now, folks, I was going to actually do this live for you, but because of copyright materials, I've saved you the energy and the opportunity for you to not write in and tell me. But here's the thing. This happened when we were kids, and then here's what happened. You grew up a little bit, and then you started to do some stuff. And people noticed talents and gifts that you had, and it formed you into who it is that you are today and what it is that you do. I mean, think about this. Maybe you're good at numbers, and somebody said, you know what, you ought to be an accountant because you're great at numbers. Maybe you're a person that loved to be on the computer, and you were one of those guys that loved to hack computers, and they're saying maybe for you you ought to be an IT or a programmer. Maybe for you, you were one of those people that that, that loved to figure things out, and you could take, you know, 15 things and, and Maverick was your favorite show, and you're an engineer now. And so maybe you're one of those, or, or you saw and you saw the difference that a teacher made in your life, and now you teach others you wanted to be a teacher, and so you had skills and resources and things that you did. And the thing about it is, is that every single thing along the way began to influence you. For others of you, you just took, went into the family business and you knew that's what was going to happen. And so it didn't matter what your skill set was, it didn't matter how you were good. Mom and dad were successful at this, grandma and grandpa were successful at this, so you're going to do this. And so today, when I ask you, what is it that you want to be? Most of us in the room begin by saying, This is what I am. I'm a doctor, I'm a farmer, I'm a teacher, I'm this, I'm that. All of us in the room have the these ideas of what do I want to be, and in America, we love telling people what we want to be, but here's the problem, and I've learned this with hundreds of people inside of a church, and I've learned this with thousands of people outside of a church, is that we ask the question of what do I want to be, and for some of you, you've been successful at it. And people know it, and you just continue to climb ladder after ladder. You continue to become better and better. You continue to become bigger and bigger, and you do it over and over and over again. And you've answered the question of what do I want to be? And the ultimate question that these guys had to answer, and the biggest question for most of us is who do I want to become? See, this is a difference. And Peter and John had to figure this out. Jesus found them fishing. That's what they would do. And they said, look, we live by the the lake here, and everybody makes their living on fishing, so we're fishermen. Everybody else is fishermen. This is what we do. And Jesus would say to them, you become a fishers of men. And they thought, oh, that sounds novel. So they left their nets, and they went. But they didn't really understand what that was. And they walked through a journey with Jesus, and they watched him hang on a tree, and they watched him die, and then they watched him raise from the dead, and they thought, hey, that's pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. But where we find them in the book of John, at the end of the book of John, is we find these guys back to what they always Did they're fishing? They're fishing, and some of you, this is where your life has been. You would say, look, I'm this, I'm a fisherman, I'm a farmer, I'm a bank teller, I work here, I do these things, and you have answered the question of what do I do and what happens in the book of Acts. The most amazing thing that so many of us miss at Acts chapter 2 at the very beginning is that these men walked away from what they did, this is what I do, to who they became. And you can read Peter right later in 1 Peter, 2 Peter, and 3 Peter. You can read John, and you can write about John and what he writes in First, Second, 3 John, and Revelation. And the thing that you'll discover is that none of these guys go, I remember back in the days when I was a fisherman. I remember back in the days when I used to do these things. No, these guys defined every moment of their life and what they became in Jesus Christ and who Jesus Christ is in them. And this... This is the moment for anyone sitting in a church or out of church that all of us have to begin to ask. Am I just a person that does this? And I'm looking around the room because some of you have a weird smile on your face and I can tell that you're saying, Pastor, you didn't even mention my occupation. I'm retired. (laughs) Right? But here's the thing. You never answer the question what is it that I become? Who do I become? And let me tell you the difference. Because what you do, it's what gets listed in the paper whenever we read your obituary. You did this for 10 years. You owned this business. You were this for 20 years. But who you become is the story that everyone tells around you. That everybody says, look, even though he did this at Chrysler, even though she did this at the hospital, even though they did this at, the, at at Taylor Schools, even though these things happen, what happens is, is then you begin to hear the stories of what this person became, where they can look at you and say, look, this person invested in my life. This person knew that there was something different about me. This person lived a life that was different than the life that they thought they were going to live. And how I get to the place, how. I get to the place of who do I become really happens in three major steps. And I just want to give them to you very quickly. The first step is this. Boldly following means refusing to let your past define you. This is a tough one for some of us on a positive and a negative because for some of you, you grew up in a wonderful situation. You had a wonderful house, a wonderful mom and dad. You've really never done anything wrong in your life. And quite honestly, you live on the legacy of that past. And for you, it isn't who you become. It doesn't mean who Jesus is in you and the light that Jesus shines in you. You're more interested in the pedigree that you're a part of. And you're more interested in talking about the fact that, hey, I have this. And I got these great parents. And I got these great grandparents. And these folks were really good here. And these folks did this. And I've done part of that because I'm a part of this system. And this is the things that we've always done. And for others of us, our past has defined us because of its negativity. You've made mistakes along the way. And you go back and look. And you see it and you say this is it I can't be anything about this because I'm this I've always been seen as this my family is this my parents are this our generation is considered this and for many of us the reason we've never become what we can become is because we've been looking at our past and we've defined ourselves based upon our past the second thing that happens in this is that boldly following means having faith beyond what you can see for some of us we look at it and we just see it from the numbers don't we And that's just our world. We focus on that regard's You see it and you say, okay, I've got this much money in the bank, I've got this much money in retirement, and so when my retirement gets to this, then that's the day that I'm retired and I'm finished and I'm done, and so you take a look at it, and you look at it from the perspective of where you see, and you're going, okay, I know that if I put this much in and this happens, then this much grows to this, and here's what happens, but most of us in the room, we've planned our steps out, and for God to do something amazing, for God to give us a boldness beyond anything we've had, we've never, stepped outside the box. You know what your next step is. You recognize your next step, and you want to know what your next step is, and you want to know what the end of the journey looks like. But the problem is, is that boldly following means having faith beyond what you can see, knowing that you're going to be in a place that you didn't know before. Now, why is this significant? Because look at Peter and John. I mean, think about it. These guys were fishing Literally back to their original intent after Jesus rose from the dead, and now, less than a month or a little over a month later, you know where these guys are? They're leading a global movement. They went from fishermen to leading a global movement. Now, think about it. Do you think Peter, while he's sitting in jail that night, and John are sitting around saying, Man, I didn't see this coming. I had no idea. We saw Jesus raised from the dead. He filled us with the Holy Spirit, and now we're sitting in jail. How in the world did this happen? How in the world did this go? You read the writings of John, and he talks about a movement that he put together in the entire region of the world, and you read Revelation, and here's John, and the point of that is that John's got to be thinking, man, I never thought when I met Jesus as a young man that this would be the destiny of my life. And that kind of boldness of what he became all recognized in the very fact that it meant that he was having faith beyond what he could see. And then the third and final thing in this area is boldly following creates and shapes your legacy. Creates and shapes your legacy. As a pastor, I sit at a lot of funerals. And as I sit at funerals, it's always interesting to hear what people say about the people who are around us. And for some, they love to try to make things up. I've heard people say, well, they're generous. I one time, one time saw him give a, give a sandwich to somebody. And then you look around the room and other people are like, man, hey, you know, that that guy's the tightest guy I ever met in my life. I mean, if I was starving, he wouldn't give me a sandwich. And the thing about it is, is that this becomes the legacy. The difference between who you are, what you do, and what you become has everything to do with legacy. And this is why we believe that God's called us to be bold at crossroads, that at the end of this six-week journey, I'm gonna ask each of us, whether you're a person who's in preschool or whether you're 110, to make a bold commitment that'll lead beyond the question of what I want to be into the legacy of who you'll become. Our bold prayer in this has been and continues to be that each of us would be willing, regardless of our past, regardless of what we see now in our current circumstances, to step out in such a way that even those in our community who may be hostile to Jesus or just far from God would take note that those of us who are known as a group of people at Crossroads Community Church have been with Jesus. And the recognition of that and looking in that, because for us, we want to live an acts kind of life. We want to be filled with the Holy Spirit and watch the Holy Spirit move in a mighty way. We want to see more and more people finding Christ. And when you hear numbers like 57,000 people, we recognize that every one of those numbers has a name. And one of those names. was sitting at my house last night Their kids are good friends with our kids. And we'd been praying for a mom that was very hostile to everything that we were trying to accomplish. Her kids would come home and say, could we go to church? And the mom would say, look, we don't do that stuff in our house. And then last night, the mom showed up at our house. And she simply looked at us and said, I feel hopeless. Hopeless. And for each of us to know that every one of those folks has a name. They're your next door neighbor. They're your family. They have a locker next to yours. They live down the street. You occasionally drop something off at their house. You work beside them at the factory and the thing about it is is that there are people in our community that are hopeless and we believe that being bold for Christ will give us an opportunity to give hope to the hopeless in our community. Now, here's what happens, because I know that for any of us in the room who are stuck and the, this is what I want to be, and you just do that, and you don't understand the what I want to become, or right now, some of you are wrestling with this. What do I want to become? What do I want to be known for? Who is it that I want to be known for in this moment? For you to know that in this moment, I recognize there's a lot of emotion that's involved here, that whenever we move beyond what I want to be to who do I want to become, it brings with it a bunch of emotion. Because you've experienced this, some of you. You've walked this journey in your life. You've had family members that said to you, hey, don't do that because of this. Don't do this because of that. You've had spouses who have said to you, man, what are you thinking? Why would you be this crazy? Why would you be willing to step beyond these kinds of things? And for many of us in the room, I believe that there's an emotion that we're experiencing, some kind of an emotion that's part of it. And quite honestly, the fact that you're experiencing that emotion shows me that you're wrestling with this, of going behind this is what I want to be, that I was a good this, to a person that I want to become. This person changed my life for eternity. How is it that I can move through that? Let me just describe some of the emotions of people that I've met over the last few months of this journey. Some of you are feeling shame that you think to yourself, man, this is great, and I'm glad that the church has this great mission, but I've never really been a part of that. I've never done that. I kind of wish I would have. When I hear stories of people's lives being changed, when I watch it and see it in front of me, I'm kind of ashamed that I wasn't a part of it. For others of us in the room, we're feeling apathetic. You don't really care. You're just saying, you know what? That makes a lot of sense, and and I understand it, and I get it, and that's the New Testament, but quite honestly, I'd rather build my own kingdom. I'd rather do my own thing, and I recognize that for some of us in the room, we're at a place of apathy for others of us in the room, we're anxious. You're very anxious. You're worried. You are so worried right now. You're filled with the whatabouts. You're saying, but what about my job? It's kind of uncertain. I may retire in the next few months. What about the strike that's going on? Because quite honestly, I don't know. They're going to cut into my benefits and I won't have them anymore. What about the crops? Why? Because we're getting too much rain. We're not getting enough rain. We don't know if anything's going to happen. What about the market? Because I don't know what the market's going to do. It's going to head towards recession. And and 10 out of 12 economists say that it's heading towards recession. And so that's going to happen. What about my retirement? Because I want to make sure that I've got a a good thing going and I've got lots of stuff there. What about, and you and I are so anxious right now because we're saying this is the difference because I've lived this life. I've been this and this is who I am. And when people ask me, this was my job, this is what I do. And the bottom line is to become something different brings forth and allows us different kinds of emotion. For others of us, we're confused. You're saying, I really don't understand. I don't understand how this thing works, and I invite you to stay with us in this journey. For others of you, I recognize, man, you're angry. You're you're pretty ticked off. And part of the reason you're ticked off is you're saying, you know what? I I wish that our church would just do what my old church did, uh, nothing, that they just stand up there and preach good messages, And, and it worked for the old church for a number of years. Now, of course, they closed down and nobody's there anymore, but it used to work for them. And so for some of us, there's anger in us. I, I get that. For others of us, we're confused. Uh, for others of us, we're afraid. And you're fearful right now. You're just saying, man, I just honestly, I mean, I, there's so much happening in my world. There's so many things that are going on. There's so many things that just going on around me. I'm kind of afraid of what's going on around me. And, I, and to be honest with you, I just need to focus right here because everything seems to be moving around and I'm afraid. For others of us, we have doubt. We have doubt. I've met people around us who have a lot of doubt. They believe that we'll never accomplish the things that we set out to accomplish, that, that they believe that this is the case. And so regardless of your feeling right now, and I recognize of those feelings in the room, that regardless of what you're feeling right now, then I'm going to ask you to do one thing in this moment. I want you to know what happened after Acts chapter 4, verse 13. You see, the guys got together, the, the Sanhedrin, the religious guys, and they kicked Peter and John out of the room. They said, let's talk about this. And here's what they came up with. They said, here's the deal. It's obvious a miracle took place. And the point is, if we take these guys and imprison them, then this is gonna be a riot. We can't have the people rising up against us. And then they go, here's the deal. If we let these guys scot free, then the point is it shows us as weak so we've got a great idea. We're gonna bring them in. And they did. They brought them back in and they sat them down and they looked at them and they said, Peter and John, here's the deal. We obviously know that a miracle took place. We obviously know that this person who couldn't walk can now walk. Everybody knows it, but here's the problem. Please stop telling everybody that you did it in Jesus' name because we don't believe that. We squelched that movement 50 days ago. We told people a couple of months ago to stop it. We put him in a tomb. I know some of you think he rose from the dead. Some of you think that he got up. Some of you are believing this kind of stuff. But the truth of the matter is, we stopped that a long time ago. Some of you fall into that exact same category. And even now you're thinking, the easiest way is to not make it about Jesus. You do this at work, right? I mean, they tell you, you know, no proselytizing at work. And so you're like, okay, I won't. We do this at home. I want my kids to choose whatever avenue they want to go with, and they'll figure it out somewhere along the way. We do this sometimes within our own families. I don't, I don't want to be that person that shows up at the family gatherings and be, is the one zealot that nobody wants to be around. And And, and, and then here's what the early church did. They decided to let Peter and John go, and they said, here's the deal, you just, you guys go, but just don't do this in Jesus' name anymore. And Peter says, whoa, 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 Jesus is our hope. He is our future. We're going to keep doing it. And then the Sanhedrin looked at him and said, well, eh, okay, you go ahead. And so later that night, they show back up at the house, and everybody's like, wow, wow. And here's what happens in verse 23. As soon as they were freed, Peter and John returned to the other believers and told them what the leading priests and elders had said. And when they heard the report, listen to this, all the believers lifted their voices together in prayer to God. This is what I'm going to ask us. I'm going to ask us in just a minute to close out this message with every single one of us who believe in Jesus Christ, praying out loud. And I want to tell you what happened in this place and in this moment. I don't know if it'll happen here. I'm not saying that it will, it may happen. And if it does, and you're a person that needs a special pill when motions start happening, you might want to take it. Because here's what happened in this moment it says, After this prayer, the meeting place shook, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and they preached the word of God with boldness. This was the beginning of the people of Israel versus the people who were Christians. And for you to know this, because you're wondering, why did I step into this room today? You stepped into the room this day because of the boldness of Peter and John. Because these guys were willing to put it all on the line that when these guys stepped aside and the leaders of the religious movement, their religious leaders literally saying, guys, stop it, calm down, don't do this. You gotta be living inside the lines like everybody else out here. You don't wanna go down this road. We already got rid of your leader and we'll get rid of you. And these guys recognized for the rest of their lives that they weren't gonna be known as fishermen. They weren't gonna be known as so-and-so's son. They weren't gonna be known as somebody else. These guys became bold and they were only going to be known as Christians only. And as Christians, that phrase began after this moment and after this movement. And the reason it began was because people said, I am Jesus. I'm after Jesus. Everything Jesus does, everything that Jesus is, I am about Jesus. I am following him. And for you, this is a question. Now, I know that for some of you, The idea of praying out loud is a little uncomfortable right now. You're thinking, man, I I don't, Pastor, whoa, whoa, you're you're scaring me here. I promise you it's going to be okay. I promise you at this moment, I've been looking around the room, we haven't had to carry anybody out yet, and if we do, we got people back there to help you. And, And here's the thing, if everybody's praying out loud, then you shouldn't be hearing the person beside you. But what I love about this is that the believers knew in that moment that the leaders of their movement, the guy that they're all following have been crucified and raised from the dead and that these two guys who are now our new leaders, they've already been arrested day one and all they did was something nice. I mean, who would arrest somebody for healing somebody? I mean, that seems like a pretty cool idea regardless of the name that you're using. But it was from here and from this moment forward, you begin to see the persecution of the church happen. And the more the church was persecuted, the faster the church grew. And the faster the church grew, more and more people found Christ. And eventually you'll find out reading church history that within 400 years, the known Roman world at that time became Christians and the movement began to spread. And today as you're sitting in this room, you worship together with nearly three to four billion other Christians around the world And the reason is because these guys didn't think about the United States of America because it didn't exist in this day. They were just trying to be bold for Christ in their moment. And now is the time for us to be bold for Christ. So I'm just asking you to pray today, not asking for anything beyond this, because I recognize the emotion of this. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray out loud, and I'm going to ask you to pray out loud. And then together we're going to close by praying this statement, God, help me to be so bold that those around me will know that I've been with Jesus. And God, help me to be this bold. God, help me to be that kind of a guy that other people look at and say, wow, that person, obviously there's something different. Because that's the difference from what am I going to be to what is it that I'm going to become. And that's the challenge for us. So here's what we're going to do. Go ahead and close your eyes. Nothing holy about closing your eyes, it's just that way you're not distracted by the person beside you. And then here's what I want you to do. I just love for you right now, you and God have a conversation about, God, this is who I am, this is what I need to become. And maybe the conversation about, God, I'm anxious about this, I'm worried about this, I'm afraid of this, I'm scared about this. God, I'm, I'm really right now, I'd love to just get off this boat, but you're compelling me to walk this journey for six weeks. So let's pray out loud. Jesus, right now, I'm praying for my friends in this room. God, I pray for me that, Lord, you would give me the strength and the ability to preach with boldness your truth and your word. That, God, as we're praying right now out loud, and I'm asking all of us to do this, join join me now, just praying out loud, whatever you're praying to God, that, that, God, you have this amazing ability to hear every single prayer in this moment, that, God, you laser focus on each prayer that's being spoken in this room. That, Lord, while we're praying, and some of us are whispering under our breath and others are praying out loud, that, God, you have the ability to hear the whisperer's prayer. You have the ability to hear the person who's praying out loud. That, God, you have the ability and the clarity to recognize, Lord, we come to you and we say, this is a journey that many of us are scared of. This is a journey that we're anxious about. This is a journey that we're ashamed of. This is a journey that we're trying to figure out. But, Lord, help us as a church to be bold for Christ in a way that even the world around us, who's hostile to Jesus, would know that we've been with Jesus. God, help us to do that. Lord, we've already seen amazing things happen. God, we'll tell stories over these next few weeks of how we've watched the world say yes to you in big ways. But Jesus, we pray this right now. Lord, this is our prayer. And so God, I'm asking every person in this room to join me as we pray these words in front of us. So you open your eyes and we'll read this out as our closing to our prayer. God, help me to be so bold that those around me will know I have been with Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.